What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Today is your Wednesday, August 24th episode. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we have a good episode for you that I think is going to be on a very important topic, one that has probably not been discussed enough, and I kind of blame myself a little bit, but it's never too late to get into the topic as things are coming up hot and heavy with the Browns-Bears this weekend where the starters are going to get a ton of reps. A couple things that I wanted to point out. Yesterday's episode was a comprehensive breakdown of both sides of the ball. Usually I break those things up, but in preseason games that don't matter very much, uh, I try to get it all in one podcast. Not really a point in breaking it up because the schemes are vanilla. The players that are going to matter only play a half, and those guys that matter are still only going to be end-of-the-roster types. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about Josh Rosen and a lot of these guys who are not going to be around the Browns uh, organization for very long. So we keep that into one podcast. Check that out. Tons of data, tons of scheme analysis, and uh, some some different talk points, including the fullback just disappearing in this game, including Johnny Stanton just playing some running back snaps like five, and that's it. No fullback whatsoever. And that could probably give us our most solid indication they're not going to keep one this year. But plenty of nuggets like that in that podcast. Go check it out. Up at the OBR today, we have plenty of things that happened. We had a usual newswire from Barry McBride covering a bunch of topics, including the Baker Mayfield announcement from the Carolina Panthers that he's going to start week one, which, you know, sent out a lot of hot take tweets as something like that would. Stock up, stock down from Jack Duffin on the Philly-Cleveland preseason game. And then Fred Greetham put together some thoughts on what the Browns need to do to win in 2022, which we are going to get into in this episode. I wrote an article, which I think is pretty decent. It's on Perry on Winfrey. I tried to cover how he's performed to through through two preseason games and what lessons he needs to be taking away from them to become a better football player. So we checked in on all of his tape in both preseason games, every snap, and tried to illuminate for you what he has to do to get better, what lessons the NFL is teaching him in a position that is very hard to master at a young age. And then lastly, Fred Greetham had his day 17 recap of training camp where he looked at Anthony Schwartz regaining some confidence and Miles Garrett talking about uh, whatever uh, – sort of rivalry there could be with Baker Mayfield, which he says there is no rivalry because obviously there is not. So anyway, that's what's up at the OBR. That's yesterday's podcast. Today we have a good show where we're going to talk about a topic that I don't think has been discussed enough, and that is Jacoby Brissett and how the Browns have to use him to win games this year. So I'm going to bring in Jared Mueller, Browns Wire, uh, every Mr. Everything. He's everywhere all at once, the editor of all things Browns Wire. Jared, how are you, my friend? You know, Jake, uh, I'm enjoying life and I'm enjoying this uh, crazy fantasy football league you got me involved in. And so, you know, that's uh, it's taking up some of my bandwidth, both literally on my computer and in my head. Yeah, I got the I got the uh, iPad next to me. It's been running all day. Kind of keep this thing running. We're doing a dynasty league for those of you who are fantasy lovers out there. So you pick 40 players. So it's a long draft. We're doing it over the course of two weeks. And uh, some some guys, Colosimo's in this one. Mike Krupka, Hawaii Mike on Twitter, uh, Cleology, who's who's uh, who's a, who's a listener of this podcast. Clay's a great dude. So I wanted to get uh, some people that were Cleveland guys, and then some guys from my own hometown and different things like that. But it should be fun. I've already done. Listen, we're two rounds in on a startup <laughs> dynasty, and I'm two trades deep, and it's just going to keep happening more and more. I love trades. It's one of my favorite part of fantasy sports. So. Uh, Jared's not lying about that, but let's let's dig into this Jacoby Brissett thing, man. I got I got some questions that I think are pertinent to what the Browns are going to have to do or not do, um, you know, and, and then try to illuminate it. When you when you look at Jacoby, from your opinion, and maybe Jared, you've dug into a ton of games. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're going off some things you've read from other people. That's all okay. We all have lives. We can't go back and watch, you know, 2020 Colts games or. Uh, I think actually it was 2019 Colts games is when he was getting his last real starting time. So it's like, you know, uh, it's tough to go back and watch all those, but your impression of him, what you think he can do, 
And as Kevin and Andrew went in, into the signing of Jacoby, knowing that, hey, this is going to be our guy for whatever duration this Watson suspension is, what do they like about him? What's their thing they like here? You know, I think looking at Jacoby Brissett, and I've looked at a, a few games, not a ton of games, at least from a film perspective. So really just trying to read as much as I can, uh, look at some stats, look at some next gen charts, those kind of things. I think when you look at Jacoby Brissett, you look at a quarterback who, when he has started a majority of the games, which was in 2017 and 2019, in general, he was decently efficient with the football. He wasn't making a ton of mistakes. Uh, so 2019, six interceptions. 2017, seven interceptions. Still able to put the ball semi-accurate. Uh, so a completion percentage, you know, for his career, it's at 60%. But I think what they look at is a guy who isn't going to make a lot of mistakes, knows what he can and cannot do. And the other thing I think they see is a versatile quarterback who's got some size, can get those one and two yards that really are necessary and aren't going to put the team behind the sticks. So really in a lot of ways, and I think I wrote this even before Mayfield was was traded, I think they chose a higher floor over anything related to ceiling because they saw last year, no matter what side you are on the, May, the Mayfield thing, he was not good last year. So they saw that with a not good quarterback, their defense, their running game, and a few plays here and there with the passing game pretty much put him in a position that the playoffs were a reasonable possibility late in the season. Now, they blew that, but so if Jacoby Brissett isn't terrible, is fine, is okay, and isn't going to make mistakes, and can kind of pick up those third and one on a power run out of the pistol, RPO, those kind of things, which we'll talk about here in a second. I think they see a quarterback that's going to allow them to be competitive with what else is on the roster. Yeah, that to me is a large part of things. Uh, competitive with what's on the roster. And listen, to me, it's it's Brissett is, is is a large part of what Jared said, but he doesn't turn the football over. And, and with that lack of turning the football over, he doesn't necessarily push tight windows or risky throws that you, you sometimes need to keep some of those drives alive. So you'll be frustrated. There'll be some three and outs. There'll be some situations where you wanted more, but he will try to just not lose football games. And with this roster, you have a chance to win football games when trying to not lose them. Because I think last year they just lost games because of quarterback play. So can he be a net neutral? Can he be a version for them of Jimmy Garoppolo in a sense where the players around him elevate him and make them better like the 49ers roster did for him last year? Stellar defense, timely run game schemes and performances there. And then Debo, so they don't have a Debo Samuel. So you start to say, okay, I understand it. But like, that's what they're hoping for. They can, they create some schemes where they can, can give him opportunities to throw it downfield. There's not a doubt to me that he can throw it downfield. Uh, he's obviously had some interesting metrics over the years of catchable footballs thrown downfield that maybe weren't caught. And that kind of hindered some of his yardage output in bigger games. But I think he can drive the football downfield. So if you have a gap based run scheme, it's a little more diverse than just gap, but they have a vertical passing game off of it, which is heavily play action dependent. You have a guy in Jacoby who can push the ball downfield, doesn't turn it over very much, is a bigger, stronger guy, pretty durable when he's on the field, all of the stuff that you like to see. So I think that that's probably what tied into it. Now with him, 
The question is, you saw him in some of the RPO stuff that Miami ran last year. I did not think that went very well. Do you think this is the right scheme for him? Do you think this is something that he fits? I personally do, Jared. I think he's built to to have running backs that can can help uh, keep the, the, the offense in front of third and pass situations often. Eliminate as many of those as you can. Keep the deception game alive, right? Create opportunities where he can, uh, you know, where he can push the football downfield off play action, but I don't want him in an offense, which is whole field reads, right? Multi-layer reads downfield, such as like that old Arians structure they do with Tom <laughs> Brady, where you are kind of tying in uh one, two, three reads. I don't want that. I want things simplified for him. I want a lot of quick passing game, which is what Stefanski has his, his West coast stuff that he sprinkles in some of that spacing slant flat Haas, uh, you know, some of the Hank concept stuff that he does. Like, I personally think this is really good for him. Do you think there's a better scheme out there than this one? Or do you think it fits him? No, I think the versatility really fits him. And so whether you're talking about RPOs or zone reads, some of those kind of things can just really create the problems that I think he's going to need to open things up. Right. And so uh, it creates some opportunities down the field. It creates some spacing you know, bringing those linebackers up. So you have that slant, you know, kind of going right behind it, or even just an Njoku, you know, a a quick curl, uh, some of those kind of things. I think it really opens up some of those options for Brissett. um, And really confusion might not be the right term, but it allows the, the offense to kind of dictate that you first are going to have to stop the run. You're going to have to stop uh, some of that quick hitting kind of stuff. Like you talked about, and I want that one or two reads. Um, I don't think he really, from what I've watched, he's fine on boots. He, he seems to have a little bit more, hmm, choppy is not the right word, but elongated steps that I don't love kind of uh, him doing a lot of boots and waggles and things of that nature. But I do think you can do other things to move the pocket and put him in a position to to throw the ball downfield or get the ball out of his hands quickly, either one of those. Um, So I think it's a good fit for him. Reading the whole field, seven-step drops, uh, that kind of stuff. I just think it's too much given um, all the other things that they're going to try to do, to be honest. So I think it could be really a good look for him. But I was kind of surprised when I looked at, uh, I call it a heat chart or a heat map. I don't know what the, the, the cool official terminology is. But in 2019 with the Colts, there is really one, two, two parts of the field outside of the deep middle, which he just really didn't throw the ball much. Um, there's only two parts of the field that he was either not at or above kind of league average. And so uh, that was, you know, 10 to 20 yards in the middle of the field. League average is, completion is 91. He was at 82. And then deep left. Uh, the league average is 65. He was, or I'm sorry, 75, and he was at 63. But all the other areas of the field, he's either right around average or he's above average in 2019. But back in 2017, he was above average pushing the ball downfield in all three, you know, right, middle, and left. So, you know, I just think there's more there. Again, not this huge upside that he's going to put the ball, you know, right in that tight window. But if you can do a lot of that window dressing with the run game, you're really going to open those windows up, make him more comfortable putting the ball exactly where it needs to go. Like always, I worry about those creative defenses, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. 
uh, some of those very kind of variable where, you know, a Minka Fitzpatrick can, can be coming out of nowhere to, to really bait a quarterback kind of thing. But uh, those are a concern for every quarterback in the league. No doubt. And I think what I would like to see them avoid most of all is relying on him to hit 10 to 19s. Like mm-hmm. I don't want him making a ton of 10 to 19 yard throws because those are danger zones in between the second and third level of a defense. Yep. Oftentimes those are balls that are going to be tight window throws. They're going to be throws that have to be categorized as big time throws. I just don't want him living in that. And the reason you're making a lot of those throws is because you're in third and tens. And if you're in third and tens, you have to throw some balls down past the sticks. Or if you're in catch up mode, that's a bad recipe to me. So I want him making either dump off throws, quick hitting West Coast style throws, some play action rollout. I don't know how much they're going to move him. He's not Dobbs. He's not Watson. He's not even Baker Mayfield in terms of an athlete. He's he's a. He's not a mover. He's not a runner. He's no, not he's a semi-truck. You want yeah, him going he's, forward. He's a big guy, for sure. <laughs> so I don't really love him in the boot stuff here and there sprinkled in, but I don't want him running laterally to throw. I do like him in that sort of tight inside the pocket run action counter power stuff where they sell that with a pulling guard. I yep. think he can handle those concepts. I do think he can handle what they did a lot of Saturday, which is just play action, which is you have pass sets from your front, but you have a running back a run action look in the backfield is just play action again i differentiate between run action and play action play action you have pass blocking going on up front with backfield looking run play happening so it's less effective but can still be effective to linebackers who get caught with their eyes in the backfield run action is hey we're doing wide zone or we're doing step forward uh power look up front but we're actually staying behind the line of scrimmage and we're pulling a guard and it looks like this it's selling it. it's all 11 guys or at least all eight guys uh, seven, eight guys in the box selling it. That's run action to me. That's truly harder, harder, harder to defend. I love that stuff for him, uh, but I don't, again, don't love a lot of that. And, I, and again, screens, he should be, a, they should be a heavy screen team. I imagine they will. I hope he gets the running backs more involved, late check down swings, flat routes, different things like that. Uh, Saturday will give us our first taste of him as a quarterback. But again, to me, what do they need to avoid with him? You got to avoid putting a ton of pressure on him to throw 10 to 19 yards downfield with any consistency. I think that's a bad recipe. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, quick word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. And then we're going to dive into a couple more key questions about the offense shaped around Brissett. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so what we need to talk about is how many times they need to run. Like, (laughs) I think that that's something that needs to be evaluated. And and if you look back at last year, you go back and you do a 2021 Brown stats. And and I know we've talked about uh, some things about projections from Mike Clay and things like that is like, the question is how many runs should they have in any given season? And in this season, there should be a reliance on it more. So the thing is Baker Mayfield played 14 games. So if you say, um, how many Jared, let's, let's whip out our calculators here. I'll get my calculator out and we'll say, how many throws did Mayfield have in his 14 starts? How many throws did he have? So if we take his 418 attempts, now this isn't dropbacks. We're only doing attempts here. He did 418 divided by 14. That's 29 basically 30 throws per game. Okay. Nick Chubb plays 14 games, gets 228 carries. Uh, and again, some of these things are game flow dependent, 16 carries per game for Nick. And then between uh, Dearness and Kareem, you got 178 carries. You break that down by 17 games. You're looking at 10. So you're looking at like 26 carries for your backfield. What's the number you want Brissett throwing in any given game? Like I think <laughs> Brissett to me, 30 throws a game is too much. Now, again, so many things are are moving pieces here, right? Like there's just you're up or down in a game, and like Mayfield's 418 in 14 games is not indicative of what they could be looking to do here. But do you have a target number of throws you would like to see per game and then maybe a target of runs you'd like to see per game that when we look back on it, we're like, man, that was the right mix for 11 games. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, you are looking, I would say the 25, 27 range for for Brissett is kind of probably leaning towards that lower end 25. And I think when you look back at, at the running attempts, I think you have to be encouraged a little bit to look at Nick Chubb, who 222 or sorry, 228 last year, 190 the year before. Obviously, his big load year was 298. So there's obviously some some ability to add there. Hunt missed, obviously, nine games last year, but only had 78 attempts. Dearness Johnson had 100. We've seen what Jerome Ford is. So I think you have a running back room. It's it's always going to be a hard balance because running backs like to get in the flow, right? They like to feel a rhythm. They like to wear teams down. They like to set teams up. So I think there is some flexibility here to, to add some carries. You know, they were, as a team, at about 28 and a half last year. So even if you're bumping that to just say 30, 31, somewhere in that range, I think there is some offset there. The hard thing is, is that's just not the NFL, right? So I can talk about this in a pie in the sky. I wish they could, but I'm not sure that's realistic in the NFL for them to be at that kind of 31 carry 25 pass kind of thing for these 11 games. But you could see that against, you know, the Panthers, and some of those other teams that struggle that maybe they kind of load it that way where a lot more runs against some of the the worst teams and maybe more passing against some of those better teams that they're going to need to do that, which leads us back into a more balanced area. But I think the Browns want 25 passes from Brissett, 27, maybe 
um, and then uh, a little bit closer to that 30. Um, but I could also see a little bit more um, screen game, some of those kind of things, which obviously are passes, but are just an extension of the run. You're probably not going to see a lot of outside w- wide receiver screens. Doesn't make sense kind of with this roster uh, and what they like to do. So that's that's kind of my guess. But like you said, game flow is such an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, Brissett in 2017 uh, goes 4-11 and while he starts for Indy. He throws 469 times over 15 Ooh. starts. That's 31 passes per game. He goes 7-8 and as a starter in 15 games in 2019 and averages about 28.8. So that's the numbers that he's seen as a starter. Um, you know, so those are your two examples. I think 25 would be fantastic. So you start to say if Nick plays 17, you know, if so l- listen again, we're, we're handy dandy calculator here. If we, if we pull this out <laughs> and say, if we wanted to get Nick carries Nick 23 carries by uh, for 17 games, that's quite a few. Say you wanted to get Nick 23 carries over 17 games. That's 340 carries. That's a significant amount. Could you say we want to get him 20? Could we get him 18? That seems like right. a lot. That seems like a healthy number over 17 games. That's 306 carries. Nick at 5.5 yards per carry. <laughs> that's a 1,700-yard season. So that's, again, Nick at 18 touches. Could you get Kareem? Could you get, uh, and again, this is just runs, not even targets and catches. Between between Dearness Johnson and Kareem Hunt, could you get them 10 carries in a game? If you get Nick 18, that's 28 rushes yep. in a game. That doesn't seem like a really high volume. 29, or 25 throws, 28 rushes. You start talking about like that's, we're pushing towards 60 plays maybe. So there's got to be some wiggle room there. Last year as a team collectively, they ran the ball 485 times. So 485 times, you divide that over 17 games, that's 28 runs a game. So, you know, how are you getting 28? Well, let's say you get Nick 18, you get the other two in any combined form or fashion, you know, something like 10, that's the formula. They've got to get 28 rushes in any given game, and then they got to churn a lot out of it. And again, could you say they had 485 carries, 2,471 yards? That's the fourth-ranked rushing offense. So if you want to add, can you get that to 550? You get to 550, that's 70, 60 more carries than last year. You want them to be a run-heavy team. They were only ninth in rush attempts. Could they exactly. push toward the top in those in that time? You get 550, and you times that by 5.1 per, per attempt. You're talking about 2,805 yards. So they need to really, really push the envelope in the run game. It's not completely tilting things, but – can you get Nick Chubb 18 carries a game? You'd like to think you could find a way. Then you break out some play, some play action. You get 15 passes a game. Can you go 15 of 25? You create some throws, and then you start talking about points per game. This is where the final part of the puzzle comes together, in my opinion. So last year, they averaged, uh, they went for 349 points. Okay, so if you break that out, that's 20th ranked in points for 349 points. Uh, you you divide that over 17 games, that's 20 points. They need to get, in my opinion, with this group to 24. So they need to find a way to get to 24 as an average point. They're going to be some up and down, but they need to be better. I think they need to find a way to uptick four points per game. So if you want to get an uptick of four points per game, you know, you do 24 points spread out over 17 games, you're getting to 408. So you got to find a way to get 50 more points on the board this this next year. 
Uh, do you think they can do that? Now that's with Watson coming back, but that to me is like, if we look back and it's a successful season, getting upwards of 24 or more points on the board, pushing that run game to a higher volume, 550 in carries in the run game. So you're closer to the top three. They just have to be a top three run to have any success this year, Jared, with Brissett and with a Watson uh, quarterback coming back from all the time he's missed. They have got to have some run game success, in my opinion, like really, truly have some run game success uh, to the to be a top three team in attempts and yards and touchdowns to, to, to be in this thing. They were first in yards per attempt last year, seventh in rushing touchdowns. And this isn't advanced metrics like DVOA or anything, uh, just raw statistics compared to the other teams in the league. Ninth in attempts, fourth in yards, seventh in touchdowns, first in yards per attempt. I think if you go up in the attempts to the top three, you're talking about yards and touchdowns moving with it. And I would imagine with the skill they have on the O-line scheme and running backs, you got a decent chance to still be close to the best in yards attempted. So they need to be pushing the envelope here. Do you think I'm being too aggressive with that run stuff? Or is it kind of like they should have it around ninth like last year and uh, create? And if, if Brissett just hits the throws Mayfield was given, uh, they'll be okay. They'll be five, six, maybe potentially in a great outcome, seven wins by the time Brissett or uh, Watson comes back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, I think, excuse me, I think you're on, uh, on that. It, it needs to use the run game. Do what you're really good at. You know, I've done a, a different, my version of statistical analysis in the past. Uh, and I think this one's actually back on the OBR from what I can remember. But I think one of the things we saw uh, from the playoffs is the teams that make the playoffs are really, really good at something, right? And so at some level, I know that's overly simplified, but Teams that are average at most things or just good at most things didn't tend to make the playoffs. And so just and that was just I forget, you know, what I how many years I looked at all that kind of stuff. But I think it's OK to say we're going to be really, really freaking good or one of the best teams in running the ball because playing complementary football, they also have a really good pass defense. Right. So with with the pass rushers they have, with the coverage that they have, all of that. I think it matches up really, really well. And then in some ways, and I've always said it this way, and it sounds really uh, weird to say it, but I think over the last couple of years, they've basically said, we're going to invite you to run the football. We want you to run the football because we believe we are going to run the football better than you, but we want you to run the football. So please run the football. You might get some yardage. You might turn that clock. You might feel really good about yourself, but we totally believe we can do that better than you. And if you want to try to throw against our DBs and against these defensive ends 
uh, then, then good luck and you better be really, really good at it. So I think they're okay with that. But I like that you looked at, uh, and, and you may have had the research on this, or you may have just been really lucky, but I think 24 is a great number. When you look at last year, points per game, the there were 15 teams that over averaged 24 points or more. And unless I'm just not thinking clearly or missing something, a couple of those teams didn't make the playoffs. Those were the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, and I believe the Minnesota Vikings off the top of my head, but the rest did, right? So. Um, of the 15 teams that were above 24 points a game, 13 of them made the playoffs and there's only 14 playoff teams. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's a really important uh, number that you pick there uh, for the Browns going into this year that they do need that uptick, right? Uh, they need to be able to score uh, points. Last year, Baltimore with their run heavy offense and not having Lamar Jackson at the end of the season and or any running backs still we're at 22.8. So you're not talking about a huge jump uh, if the offense is healthy. And if, you know, Amari Cooper in and of himself makes Jacoby Brissett better. Uh, so I think that's that's realistic. Less turnovers, a little bit more running the ball, Hunt being healthy, uh, even Nick Chubb being healthy, all of those things. I don't think 24 points is is unrealistic. And then you have a defense that they're not joking when they say they just don't want the other team to score. Like that's kind of their plan and that's, that's arrogant and not going to happen, but they, they really do believe strongly in themselves. So, you know, can they, can they keep the other team averaging, you know, near the top five, 10 in scoring. So in that 20, 21 point range, uh, low 21 point range, they can really have a chance. I think there's a pretty good chance they can creep towards 24. I don't know if they can, but when we're looking back on it and if they go six and five, seven and four in the start, and wishful thinking five and six is the best outcome, in my opinion, that sense of realism is tied into. Um, they can they can have a number there to sort of point to. So uh, I, get, I just don't know. I think if we look back on it and they didn't get there, they go four and seven. We're like, OK, they couldn't cross over that 22 point threshold. But to 24 is the number that you really, really are fighting to get to. And it's like, well, how do we get there? It's probably an uptick in successful running game and a timely downfield passing game. Because, again, you got to 20 points with the broken quarterback last year, <laughs> broken physically, mentally to the point that everybody was tired of each other and they moved on from him altogether. Like it's not impossible that if you hit three or four of the throws Mayfield was missing and they were not the most difficult throws in the world. You have an offense that was going to get to that 24-point threshold and clearly would have made the playoffs. I think it's pretty fair to say that, given how close it came to the finish line. So they just need Brissett for 11 games to hold down the fort, not turn the football over, do some of the things we talked about here, avoid those 10 to 19 throws as often as you can within reason, given game situation, and stay out in front of things and, and, and listen. It's got to be a 15, 16, 1,500-yard season from Nick Chubb, and that's not... That based on his ability to run the football to yards per carry clip, which has, in my opinion, always been solid. He's never gotten that over 300 carry workload in his career. It's time. It's time. He's 26. You've paid him. Let's put this guy out there to do what he does best. And then you have two people to help him if he misses a game or two or he gets injured. Uh, like I said there, or he needs a break at any point in the game. Like there, there's a, there's, this is the time there's no, as you sit in the office and talk about this as a coaching staff, I don't know how you couldn't say like, we need to give Nick a big workload this season. There's no question in my mind. 
he should be getting 18 carries or more a game. So if you if you come to any other conclusion, it's like, what are you saving him for? This is what you have. He's still, he's 26. He's creeping up on that dreaded 30, 28, 29, 30 number. Like, this is peak Nick Chubb. We should be seeing 26, 27, 28, the best of him. So let's see them do it. That, I think, puts a nice bow on this episode. We talked you through the things that Jacoby needs to do, given the scheme, whether the scheme fits him, what things could hold him back. I think there's some be some optimism. Not altogether, You're not getting Deshaun Watson for 17 games. You're getting a guy who's limited. But the nature by which he is limited, I think, can fit what they do if they take advantage of the powerful parts of this offense in the O-line and the running back stable that they have, and particularly their lead back. So, Jared, appreciate you, brother. That's a wrap on this one. I appreciate your time. No problem. No problem. Do I have a draft pick to make yet? Like, where are we at on this? We're waiting on Mike, (laughs) man. He's been on the clock for three hours, just killing the vibe. So we'll get on Mike to make his pick. Hopefully you guys have settled in on your fantasy drafts. I know the OBRs group is going to be doing one too, not too far from now. It is, uh, listen, we're on the cusp of football season here. We have a set of preseason games that run through this Sunday. We get the week off and then it's week one talk. September 11th will be here before you know it. Continue to check out the OBR Twitch website and this podcast every single day for content leading up to key decisions that are looming, guys. A lot of cuts are coming. A lot of potential trades for the Browns for a wide receiver or an interior defensive lineman or something of the sort could be out there for guys that are going to be cut or guys that they bring in after they make their 53-man roster decisions. So it's uh, it's a lot of uh, moving pieces between today, this weekend, and the following week when 53-man roster cutdowns happen. So follow all of it at the OBR. Follow Jared over at Browns Wire, where he will have you covered as well. Plenty of great sources to get your news. Thanks for checking in on today's pod. We'll be back on Thursday for you for a fun episode as well. Check in with you then. Have a great day, and go Browns! 